you know, loved animal print, loved a wine, had Both similar had kind of mums. <laughs> Both had dead mums, you yeah. know, so much in common. Like I really like the guilt is it's an awful emotion to feel, you know, when people blame themselves for their loved ones dying. I, sometimes I feel guilt. We got, we're like the guilt train over here for three different reasons. I feel guilt <laughs> because I feel like my grief was like later. I don't think time heals grief and I don't think it should. But when it comes to trauma, you can heal trauma. Sally and Em, I really appreciate y'all being here again from uh, quite a distance away. Australia, or the other side of the world. Yeah. Yeah, what is it, like 8,000 8, miles or something? <laughs> I, Pretty I, I, far. I haven't counted, <laughs> but let's just, we'll just assume that's a fact right there. So <laughs> It's good to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. And uh, as I alluded to already, um, you know, your Good Morning podcast resonates heavily with me just because of your mix of grief and just raw honesty and humor mixed all in like one crazy ass ball. So I love the way y'all approach the conversation. And, um, you know, there's a lot of questions I'm probably going to want to tap into, but I definitely want to start with the inspiration as to why you two have this platform. And I'm assuming that comes from loss. It does. It comes from loss. Uh, Sal and I both lost our mums suddenly months apart. My mum, Vanessa, died by suicide in February of 2020. And Sal's mum, Rose, died from a sudden seizure in her sleep in November 2019. And we didn't know each other. And it was actually the feelings of isolation and loneliness in grief that led us to each other and was the inspiration, I think, behind starting Good Morning, our platform. How did you guys get connected on this? So we we joined an online um, support group for women who have lost their mums. So it's like a Facebook group. And I think somebody was organising a meetup, weren't they, Im? Like, so they created like a little private event within the group and we both clicked on it. It was in Sydney. And... Um, yeah, like we just met at this pub. It was like a grief meetup. And I think we were both like, we both had support and we have friends and we had support, but you might have found this as well, David. Even when you've got support, if people around you haven't experienced loss or grief, it can be really hard to talk about it openly, like how you really are, you know? And so Im and I felt like quite lonely. And because we were in our early 30s, and I mean, for you, it would have been the same, if not even more so, right? Because you were really young when you experienced your loss. And a lot of your friends often haven't been through a similar thing. So you're trying to kind of talk about how you are and they want to support you and the support is there, but also like they they can't really meet you at your level because they don't really get it. So Im and I were like, well, we really want to meet somebody who gets it because uh, this is bloody lonely and we're feeling really lonely. And so, so yeah, we ended up rocking up at this pub on like a Sunday afternoon and we both were like what what are we doing this is like really not our vibe like I, like we both nearly pulled out didn't we but then we were just like oh, we nearly backed out at the 11th hour I think I've even got out to the front I was like I'm not going in I'm not a support group type of person even though you know everyone is when you need it but yeah we nearly didn't go so we felt as well as a lot of fate that brought us to each other and we feel like our mums were also having a hand in it all. But yeah, so glad that we did walk through the doors of that pub that day because I think we'd still be really struggling. 
Totally. So yeah, so basically we met and hit it off like um, pretty instantly and bonded over our grief and like we were similar ages, similar kinds of loss, liked the same thing, you know, loved animal print, loved a wine, had Both similar had kind of mums. <laughs> Both had dead mums, you yeah. know, so much in common. And um, we just got talking. We would talk for hours about grief and we must have sounded like great chat when people were listening (laughs) overheard our conversations but it was like we would talk about things and it was like having a mirror held up you know things like oh my god are you feeling really anxious or do you just feel constantly exhausted and we'd both be like oh my god yes like what's going on like and it just really alleviated that sense of loneliness and then we kind of got talking about like well if we're feeling like this like there must be so many other people who are feeling like this but also feel like there's not a lot of grief support out there because for us both when we googled like grief support particularly in Australia um, it's different for other parts of the world but here in Oz like it was just all really like Fuddy duddy. Is that a word in the US? Like, fuddy duddy. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, just old. Like, kind of like, just very like outdated. And we were, we were yeah. like, God, where's the grief support that speaks to us? Like, real conversations, a few swear words, using humor. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so that's when we decided to start Good Morning to, like, you know, like what you're doing, David, like talk about grief in just a very honest way and have real conversations about it. So that's, yeah, in an, probably quite a long-winded way of telling you how we how we met and how we came to do what we're doing yeah no i'm that's the most productive uh, meeting at a pub i've ever heard in my life so that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> cheers to that that's incredible i think all, i think more grief support groups should uh, meet at a pub uh you know it, it's interesting to it makes sense as to finding that you know, that common line. And I think any trauma, whether it's grief or whatever the hell you're going through, it's nice to have that commonality, you know, that it offers some comfort and understanding. But at the same time, you know, I think we grieve so differently. So I'm interested in hearing, though you, you know, you found, uh, you know, some sort of peace and bonding with the feelings that you were having loneliness, but what were the difference in feelings? Because you both lost your moms in such different ways. You know what I mean? Like grief hits in different ways on how it's happened and where you are in your life. So was there any conversation or differences between your two grief processes that you've noticed? Absolutely. I love this topic. Sal and I, like we said, we're very similar and we just had so many things in common, but the way that we grieved was so different, like polar opposite ends of the spectrum. So as I mentioned, my mom died by suicide. It was very, very traumatic. My grief was very visceral and physical. Like I, I just felt like I couldn't do anything. I was just a heap on the floor howling for my mom. Like it was, it was all encompassing emotions, like all the emotions I'm feeling them and they're very much on display. Um, when it came to things like practical tasks, I couldn't do any of them. This is where Sal will step in and she'll, she'll share her experience in a minute. But yeah, I couldn't, couldn't even help with the planning of the funeral. Couldn't even like comprehend the fact that she was dead, let alone think about turning up at the funeral. Like I didn't even want to go. I was like, this is so fucked up. I'm not like, I, I just can't. And yeah, this is the thing about grief as well is like a lot of people assume it's just sadness, but as you probably very well know, David, like it's so much more than sadness. And for me, I think the two main emotions that I did feel for pretty much the whole year were anger and guilt. 
And they kind of, yeah, saw me through that full first year where people expect you to kind of get over your grief after that. But I was just still coming to terms with it and then feeling all these emotions that society don't even tell you you're going to feel. So, yeah, I'll let Sal feel, fill you in on her experience. But that was mine very much the first year. Lots of anger, lots of guilt and just all-encompassing emotions. And mine was quite different, really. Like, I don't think I felt a lot of anger, really. Like, maybe like in bursts, but it wasn't really a prevalent emotion for me. Um, I think I felt a lot of guilt like him because my mum lived in the UK. So I wasn't like close to her, like physically when she died. And I didn't see her that often. So being an expat, you start kind of feeling all of that guilt for like choosing to live on the other side of the world and, you know, all of the what ifs and ruminations. For me though, I, my grief was really practical. So I had to fly back to the UK the next day and I had to sort my mum's estate out and take charge of everything, plan the funeral, all of that stuff. And I coped really well and I almost like needed to do stuff and I needed that to be practical, to be able to process. But at the time, I was really judging myself, like, well, how am I able to plan the funeral, to call people up and tell them, like, with tell them that she's dead, you know, like, I without breaking down all the time? And how was I able to clear her house out and go through her things and think? And a part of it was, like, I didn't really have a choice because it was on me. But the other part of it was, like, actually, that was my coping style. And... They call it the, yeah, the, the there's two spectrums, like, in mention. So there's the intuitive griever who feels, like, in, like, very, you know, is, their grief is visceral. And then there's the instrumental griever, which I think I lean more towards. I'm more practical. I can talk more rationally about my person. And, and I think, like, my grief was there and the emotion and the sadness and all of the kind of the deep pain was there, but I could also function day to day and and still kind of organize stuff. And I actually really judged myself really hard for that because I thought I should be on the like on the floor, right? Like, how am I able to like, you know, go to the funeral home and take care of all this stuff and go out and, and see my friends and have like dinner and also be fine? And I think that's another thing. Like, even the the days after my mum died, when I was in deep shock and deep pain. I also was with friends and family and I was able to have m- very small moments where I smiled and I felt like little moments of like feeling loved and that comfort. And I judged myself again for letting those in. But I think it's a really important one also to know that it's it's like you kind of need those moments, right, to be able to cope. I'd love to know what you are, David. Oof. Are you like more, <laughs> are you more practical? Are you, more are you remote, on the like, floor what? howling like me or are you getting <laughs> shit done like Sal? You know, I, was, <laughs> I was trying to compose myself because I've never, I've never um, thought of it like that, I guess, with a title when, when you're saying, you know, intuitive and instrumental, if I heard that correctly. Um, yeah. And I, I want to say, I don't want to sound like a cop out, but I want to say a little bit of both, but I think I would definitely lean towards instrumental. But it's different for me because, not, not for me, like I'm, you know, it's just, I, sometimes I feel guilt. So we got, we're like the guilt train over here for three different reasons. I, I feel guilt <laughs> because I feel like my grief was like later. Cause I forgot, I've, I've mentioned this so many times to people that have listened to the podcast, but I forget so much cause I was 12 years old when it happened. And there's some, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a, a grief expert per se, but like I, I've, it's the trauma of losing 
my father at a young age, like a defense mechanism and who the hell knows, which is 9-11 and the capacity that that was affected my brain. But there's so much that I don't remember that I feel like there's a lot of shit that I dealt with down the road. But nevertheless, there's always shit that you deal with down the road, whether you forgot it or not. I think, you know, grief evolves and the way we evolve. So that just naturally changes. But I want to say who I am today, especially having this podcast. I'm, and I don't know if that's just because if it's been over 20 years, but I would like to think that I'm more instrumental and able to, you know, I still feel it, but sometimes maybe I do feel guilty that I don't feel things more. And maybe I relate to you a little bit there more, Sally. Like, it's not that I'm, I don't know. There, it, it is a weird guilt to feel like you're not feeling enough. You know what I mean? That That is oh, that, that yeah. is a commonality that I've heard from a lot of people. And then you see M where I'm curious to see what your guilt was like because when it comes to suicide, I'm sure that comes in many different facets. Did that did that guilt come from any specific questions you were asking yourself? All of the questions. I think with suicide, uh, there's so many unanswered questions. And I think from the work that we've done, I feel like I've come to a pretty good place of understanding as to where that role of guilt comes into play. So it's really difficult to imagine anything like that, anything like happened to you, David, anything like happened to Sal, like losing our loved ones so suddenly, not getting to say goodbye, not, you know, just getting thrown into this world of grief without any preparation or warning. It's very chaotic and it's hard to imagine that, like, these fucked up things can just happen out of nowhere, out of the blue, right? We just go to work that day or we're, you know, we're going to school on that day or you know, I just get up and make my breakfast as if it's a normal day, but you don't realize what's about to happen. And I think that can make us feel really out of control of our lives. And that's really frightening, right? So I think guilt kind of, it's our mind's way of taking back a bit of that control. It's been like, well, if if I'd have said this, it wouldn't have happened. If I'd have done this differently, it wouldn't have happened. If I'd have, you know, called my dad and told him to come pick me up from school. He wouldn't have been there. You know, we go through all of these different scenarios that if our actions were different and played out differently, then our person would still be here and we have some control back over our life. So I think that, in a sense, is a way why we do blame ourselves and why we do experience that emotion. But it's taken a long time for me to get to that point. Like I really, like the guilt is, it's an awful emotion to feel. You know, when people blame themselves for their loved ones dying, I I, it's it's really difficult, but I think it's it's very common. And I think no matter how your loved one died, like people often experience guilt. And yeah, for me, it was very much like, why didn't I call my mum two minutes earlier? Or why, you know, just all the whys and the what ifs and the if onlys, um, there were a lot of them. So I won't list them all, but yeah, that's kind of how I've come to terms with with that emotion and and deal with it. Do you, do you think the guilt is almost necessary? Like, obviously, we want yes. to work our way out of there, but is it like, is are, are some of these sh- shitty feelings necessary to get out of there? Because I mean, I, it might be a weird question. I never even asked that. I just said that. I don't even know where that was coming from, but it seems like, that, you know, uh, being aware of the guilt that you've both felt may have, you know, forced you to ask hard questions that may not have been true. Because what, because some of those questions are just dead end questions like, what would they have done? Any, no, that's not really how life works, in my opinion, but they are natural questions. So, like, do you think that? those questions still are necessary to get through the grief? Yes. I Yeah, I think so. And I remember when we interviewed David Kessler, who's a grief expert based in the States, and he said, like, guilt is the companion of grief. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to escape guilt when you're grieving. But I do think that it does, yeah, it, it, makes, it does make you 
confront some things and dig deep and it is it can be really really difficult but also it can shine a light on some things that you need to work through too I think as well all the emotions and all the kind of physical the whole experience of grief is necessary you know I think as a society we we just try to push it down and not feel it and not allow it and try and rush through it and, you know, get over it and all those things that people try to do that's just impossible. I think all of those experiences have have a necessary place. Like we've got to go through the process. We've got to feel these feelings that come up and these thoughts that come up. Like we've got to go through it. But I think the important part is we don't get stuck. And I think a lot of people can get stuck and that's when it gets really difficult. So this is a question for both of you. What have you both found as being the best practice or the biggest learning lesson that you've accomplished? Let me rephrase that. I don't want to say accomplished. This is like not a, a race. <laughs> but what, what is the biggest thing you all have learned or have taken from your process that has gotten you through it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not saying you have to pigeonhole it to one thing, of course, but you know, is there anything that stands out? In terms of processing grief, couple of things like just back to talking about like being practical and being like maybe more of an instrumental griever we we talked to this lady called Megan Reardon Jarvis on our podcast recently and she's a psychotherapist and she was talking about how to grieve is like to grief is a verb right to grieve you can grieve in loads of different ways and 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 some of those ways are being practical and doing the things that we were just talking about and that that just really gave me comfort to know that while I thought I wasn't grieving in the right way actually by being practical and doing that stuff I was still grieving Maybe even though I wasn't outwardly like all emotional all the time, it didn't mean that I wasn't processing my loss. I just wanted to like say that that really helped me because that might help some of your listeners as well. Because I think we can think of a society as a society if we're not like crying and we're not kind of outwardly expressing emotion all the time that we're not processing. So I found that really helpful. And also for me, uh, journaling has helped me because it's just getting it out is pro is the act of like dumping it out on the page is processing. And that I found really helpful for, for me personally and my grief. And also talking about talking about it, like having conversations has been really healing. I love that. Do you want to go, David, or I'll jump in with mine? No, that, I want, that was just a, a segue to you. I was saying I just want to acknowledge oh, okay. that. I love what she said. Yeah, I'm not saying shit. It's um, all you. Just too keen for this question. Um, mine <laughs> would <laughs> – no, I love it. I love the questions that you're asking us. Mine would have to be – learning about the mind-body connection and how grief impacts us physically and how when you experience trauma, it actually lives in the cells in your body and stays stored in your body. And unless you do things to physically release that grief and that trauma out of your body, it's going to stay stuck. Again, I'm here with the word stuck. So learning about that connection and learning some of the different modalities that can help release trauma and stress and and grief from the body has been one of the most healing things that I could have ever found out. So um, things like breath work, we're doing, Sal and I are into kundalini energy transmissions, which is just incredible. Like we're all about the energy work and just understanding that everything is energy and that energy, that, that traumatic energy is staying stored in your body. So we even realize like 
all of these other traumas that we were holding onto in our bodies even prior to our mums dying that we were just like, we were just getting around, yeah, cool, we don't even realise that, you know, these things that we've been through are actually traumatic experiences that are staying stored in our cells. Sounds a bit wild. But, you know, a lot of people have like gastrointestinal issues, anxiety disorders, all of these things that we're carrying around and we don't get to the root of the problem. But that is that is why, that is the root, you know, these things that you go through impact us physically and then we just carry that around all the time. So I'm so excited about learning about this and, yeah, spreading awareness um, of how grief can impact us physically. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, I lo- it's so interesting as you kind of alluded to earlier how, you know, you found each other to get through what was the common bond of both losing your mom, yet you did it so differently. It's like, it's extremely fascinating how you handled it and how you literally reacted to it. So we're we're covering so much ground here. And I do want to, at some point, you know, I I would love to be the first one to say uh, you guys have a book coming out. So I'm curious as to some point of how that comes into play uh, besides your own grief process, how you plan, I'm sure, of helping other people, because I just find it so beautiful of when you experience when two people like you are, uh, you know, have to have your own traumatic experience and you're sharing it with the world as you do. Um, I would love to see how that ties into the conversation and what you're accomplishing there um, to give you guys a, a little plug there. Cause I'm genuinely curious. Uh, one question based on your experience from your personal experience and all the people you spoke to and your community, have you found, is there any um, specific or a couple uh, patterns that you've seen for people that are grieving. Of course, you talk about the grief stages and a couple of things you've already spoke, but are there any really like fine line common denominators that you found between everyone that's grieving? Definitely. I think two, I'd say there's probably three topics that we talk about on our podcast and on our social media channels that always seem to get a resounding like response. And that is the experience of grief brain, which Im is very good at explaining, so I'll let him tell you what grief brain is. Um, also loneliness and like people dropping away and friends not showing up or the people that you thought were going to show up not not showing up. And that's always a really big um, topic from, from our community of grievers. And also anxiety, feeling really anxious after a loss is also another thing that we hear from um from a lot of our community because it's almost like when you've experienced like the worst possible thing it's like you worry and create this anxiety almost as like a safety blanket it's like well if I worry and if I'm anxious and it's a physical response to loss as well but quite often we feel like the anxiety almost keeps us safe from the terrible things um so I would say, would you agree, Im? They, they're kind of like the three most common things that we hear from from our grieving community. Definitely. Oh, sorry. I, was, I wasn't sure if you were, I wasn't sure if that was a, a internet pause for me to speak or is that a, <laughs> just to be clear with everyone listening? <laughs> so was it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just going to fill you in on what grief brain was. Please. You think we'd know our shit being podcasters? Like, <laughs> Um, So we wanted to get to the bottom of why so many grievers feel like really foggy and forgetful and confused. 
after loss, which is one of the most common things that we hear in our community. So we interviewed a world-leading neurologist called Dr. Lisa Shulman. So she basically explained to us that when you are grieving, it's like an emotional injury to the brain and it actually rewires your brain, changes the neuroplasticity, weakens the nerve growth, which then impact all the cognitive functions. So that's there's actually a reason as to why we feel all of these things. And finding that out, that information was so validating because a lot of people think that there's something wrong with them. A lot of people go to the doctor to get blood tests because they just feel like there's something sinister going on or it's really, really common to feel like you're like you're not well or there's something seriously wrong. So hearing that, yeah, it's just really validating and knowing that like grief is actually physically really exhausting and it can last for, this exhaustion can last for a long time and this fogginess and forgetfulness can last for a long time. Um, And it can also come back years later, you know, in the lead up to the anniversaries or milestones, you can start to feel exhausted again or foggy and forgetful again and you start judging yourself, why am I feeling this way? But it is actually, it's grief. And like you said before, David, like it evolves. But I don't think grief is something that we ever really get rid of. It's something that we think we learn to carry over time. Oh, man, and how, how long has it been for, for both of you now? Like, Sally, how long has it been since you lost your mom? Uh, three and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. It's three, three and a half years. Three and a bit, yeah. And what have you two noticed in regards to those? That's not that long. For some reason, I thought oh, it was no. a little. I, I thought it was a little. <laughs> I thought it was a little longer. I got. I got over twenty years on YouTube. We were straight in there, Dave. Yeah. We were like, yeah. we're just nailed grief, this, like, we've nailed this grief shit. We we're all over it now. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's, it's a, we didn't really rest on our laurels. We were like. <laughs> Straight there. I know. I'm like, shit, it took me 20 years to start this podcast. Um, no, no, it's interesting because it's like, that's, that's very, it's a great thing. It's impressive that three and a half years y'all have made this, these realizations, but it seemed it came with intention. You know what I mean? I think um, hmm. it's, a, it's an interesting thought when I think about does time heal all kind of thing, which I think time helps. I think help, time helps dim things, but without intention and without some work, are you just keeping that stagnant? Because I, I love what Im was saying about, you know, the psychosomatic aspect, because I'm, I'm, I, I think that's the cause of so many things that are happening inside our body. We think sometimes, and it's a very sensitive topic for people that have experienced certain diseases. And I, I try to be gentle around it, not say it around certain people, but at the same time, you know, whether it's stress or trauma, and there's such a a cause and effect relationship there of, of, of the effects that we have later down the road about maybe stagnant energy and, and stagnant traumas and stuff that we haven't worked out. So it's just so important to me to have these discussions and see how you two have beautifully hand your, handled your own trauma because you're both so intellectual on it. You both seem so um, intentional behind it, like I already said. So what have you two noticed between yourselves? And feel free to jump on whoever wants to go first about where you are three and a half later and the jumps that you have made. Maybe like where were you in year one, two to today? They call them the waves of grief, right? But we call them grief bombs because they feel like they just explode out of nowhere and they really catch you off guard. And I think for us both in the first, I'd say, 18 months, they felt like they were pretty constant. And grief bombs lead to another thing that we've coined the term having a grief sesh. Right. It's like having a grief session where you get the cards, the photos and you and you grieve. And sometimes it, you know, it happens because you've had a grief bomb and sometimes you just feel griefy and you kind of know that you need to get it out. I have one yesterday and 
but they don't happen as often now. And they were all the time, like for the first year and a half, I'd say like constantly. For me, for some reason, my grief used to really manifest on a Sunday. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it was like Sunday, I would feel really like particularly griefy. Um, and it just became a running joke, didn't it? And be like, oh, it's a Sunday. I've got my grief sesh box out. I'm having a cry. And um, <laughs> and it feels like now I think of, I think of my mum, but it doesn't evoke, always evoke an emotional response when I think of the memories and like I can think of her and then move on from that, that like, you know what I mean? It's not like an all-consuming. And I remember Im and I in the early days, we'd, we'd talk about like, oh, have you had a day where you didn't think about your mum? And so I think it's just like, they're always with us. We're always thinking and missing them. They're all, they're here, but it's not all consuming. And, and the pain sort of just, it doesn't feel like it catches you off, off guard as much for me anyway. Damn, did you ever thought on your process? We're doing that thing been... again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something going on. Oh, I, I want to give you room to because I just feel like we're talking so much. But no, I'm I'm happy to listen. That's the whole point of this. I want to hear I want to hear your thoughts. I'm curious as to what you what your evolution has been as kind of Sally explained hers over the last three years, three and a half years. Sorry. Yeah, I think mine's more so been around uh, working through the trauma and understanding that you can't really heal from grief. It's not it's not an illness that you eventually heal from. Like you asked before, does time heal all wounds? I don't think time heals grief and I don't think it should. You know, I think time does help soften it, but I think it's always there. But when it comes to trauma, you can heal trauma and that was really important for me to learn and understand. And I think over the three years, my relationship with grief has changed. I think I looked at my grief and the death of my mum as this one big dark black thing. I was like, I want to get rid of it. This is so fucked and horrible. I don't want to feel this anymore. But now I've kind of separated the two. I'm like, there's the trauma of the death of my mum and then there's the grief. And I think both Sal and I now really view our grief as our connection to our mum. It's, you know, our memories of our mums that we don't want to get rid of. And I'm, I'm conscious, David, that you, you know, you've, you said before that you've forgotten a lot of the memories and that can be really difficult. But sometimes as well, it's like the stories that people share about them too. You know, it's the connection, you know, your dad existed. He was very much a part of your life. So I think a lot of people don't ever want to let that go. And I think we've now turned our relationships with our mums into our grief rather than looking at grief as this really horrible, awful thing that we want to get rid of, which society also wants to get rid of because they're uncomfortable around it. So, yeah, I think over the three years I've worked through a lot of the trauma and um, with the different modalities that I spoke about before, but my relationship towards grief has definitely changed and it's not something that I really want to ever go away now and that may sound really wild to people who are listening to this and are really fresh in their grief even though three years is still quite fresh but yeah it's not as all-consuming now but a bit more bearable and yeah that's kind of been my experience over the years of it evolving. And I think like just to add having met him like when I when we first met Im was like a completely different person like so in such a like heavy place understandably because I think it was six months after your mum had died that we met and 
and to see the evolution of you and how you have come leaps and bounds and how you're coping with your grief. And I do think talking about it has really helped. Like, I don't know if you find Dave, like talking about it is like, it's so helpful actually to process stuff. But I just want to acknowledge him because you just, yeah, you're amazing and you've just come so far. And Thanks, mate. Yeah. I was just, I was on a loop, Dave. Like everything was just on a loop, ruminating for months and months and months. Like I couldn't get out of that loop. It was like, my mom's dead and this is the only thing that's going on in my mind. So, yeah, I broke that loop and I got out. I'm like re-engaged a bit with life, which I'd never thought would be possible. And I want to give that hope to anyone listening too. Like I was in such a dark hole. I was like, there's no hope for the future. I'm never going to be able to live a normalish life again after going through such trauma. Um, but it is possible. Yeah, I mean, that's important. I love what you said, Em, about kind of separating, even though they're, you know, they're entangled in the same way, grief and trauma, you know what I mean? Like that grief does stay with you. You can heal from the trauma. That makes so much sense to me. And it is important for what you, what you're both saying about how you felt, especially in the moment, really going through it, even though you're still dealing with things, um, to show years later, I like showing the years later and asking that question as to the evolvement, because when you are in the middle of that quote unquote darkness, whatever the hell you're going through, whether it's losing someone or not, that's all you see. That's like literally all you see is what's around you. And to think about, I could feel, I can get out of this, just literally seems impossible. So I think it's really important to hear your entire process. You guys have been so articulate about how you've gotten to where you are today. And uh, I just really want to commend you both on doing that because you're doing so much good work, let alone for yourselves. And the talking about it, like you said, it's really, it is important. And also just to tap into what you said about the forgetfulness, uh, there's, of course, there's memories that I, I, you know, I forget, but it was more the frustrating part for me, as I've, I've mentioned before, is more of the grief process for me as a kid that I feel like I blacked out on. I, th- those are the things that are frustrating. Of course, there's memories that I've, you know, I don't remember. And, you know, who knows if there's things I would have forgot just in general, but it's more me reflecting back on who I was as a kid going through that process. Cause I feel like everything I had to handle was as I got older, I was became more of a man as opposed to what was my, my grief childhood like. Um, but that's, yeah. that's my own sob story that people don't need to hear again. But, um, <laughs> so again, I have a couple questions that I want to, these like three bigger questions that I like to ask towards the end. Um, I'm curious, especially during your own experience, but what, what do you girls think happens after we die? What are your beliefs with that? Oh, this could be a whole other podcast chat, like a whole other episode. Cause, um, I think like we are, we are so, so interested in this topic and the afterlife. And it's something that we've got even more into since our mum's passed. And we, yeah, we, we do believe that there is something that happens after you die we don't we don't think that death is the end just from our experience of asking for signs and connecting with our mums and it brings a huge sense of of comfort that you can continue that relationship with them and that's something that's been also really comforting and healing for us in our grief as well is speaking to psychic mediums we've both had some phenomenal readings with psychics we've had Laura Lynn Jackson on our podcast as well who has written two incredible books on the afterlife and signs um and yeah we are strong believers that this is not the end like we've had psychic readings where it was almost like our mums were talking through the psychic and they were using nicknames and they just knew names and bits of information that there's no way that they could have known any other way other than legit they're talking to our dead mums in the afterlife so and 
And it's something that a lot that brings a lot of comfort to our community is asking for signs from loved ones who've passed. It's it's a big topic that Laurel Lynn Jackson talks to. She's got a whole book on the. Have you heard of her, David? No, I'm actually Laurel not familiar with her. Have you seen um, Surviving Death on Netflix? Yes, I actually I, I, yeah. I watched forty nine percent of it. I didn't finish it. Oh, well, do you remember there's like the blonde psychic lady they go and see, like long blonde hair? This is the girl yeah, you're talking that, about? Yeah, yeah okay. so that, that's Lorraine cool. Jackson. But, she, but she's um, she's actually very into teaching people how to ask and receive for signs. And you can almost like co-create a language with your loved ones who have passed over. Uh, what about you? Like, are you into this? Is this like a topic? Like, is this? Have you asked? Yeah, I'm very much into. I'm very much into it. It's just I, I think this is a part of the frustration. I think sometimes I, there's a, a balance in life outside of grief, just in general. I think sometimes the willpower gets in the way of uh, trying to make things happen, and sometimes I feel like I'm being too forceful with it, as opposed to just like maybe asking for something and just like letting it go at the same time. As I feel like I, I try to have those conversations with my dad, and you know, I, I, maybe I'm just overthinking it too much um and maybe i should i should check out uh, uh, her as well about meth- methodologies of doing this because i believe in this stuff i've had you know near-death experiences i've had some mediums on the podcast and i think it's one of those things that does get a lot of controversy and you know splits the difference of believers and non-believers but when you've had experiences like you two mentioned where she's talking about things like how would you know it's one of those things i think you just need to experience um mm-hmm. but i haven't had any any um wild experiences like that. We spoke to mediums in the past, my family, a couple when I was really young, so I'd have to reflect back on that. But in regards to what you both just tapped into, I'm, I'm interested in that. I mean, it's, it's the, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. And if we are energy, we're not going to be destroyed. So just what happens with that? Totally. I would 100% recommend that you read her book, Signs, The Secret Language of the Universe. I think for us both, that was one of the key resources and the key things that we read that we were like, oh my God, like, this is really speaking to us. And it's a, it's, it's a really popular book that our community talk to, don't they, Im, time and time again. And another really interesting book on the topic is Surviving Death by Leslie Kane. So the book that the Netflix documentary is based on, we had Leslie on our podcast and she's a fascinating lady. But also what's really interesting about her and that book is she was an she is an investigative journalist and she mainly she's I think she's one of the main US journalists that cover she covers UFOs normally and she had a brother passed away and she she basically like got this book commissioned to to research the afterlife but she was coming in from like a skeptical place and a place of like evidence and facts because she's obviously she's a journalist that's what she does and she had all of these experiences that she couldn't put into words and well she could put them into words because she wrote a book but she couldn't explain (laughs) and it's so it's very interesting because it's like quite grounded in fact and experience so for anyone who's like skeptical about it I'd recommend reading Leslie's work because she puts a really good case forward but then also Laura's stuff is really good too but it is weird don't you like in like when you have a psychic reading and like I remember like I had them before my mum died more as like a fortune teller future kind of predictor type thing and then when I was going in like to try and talk to my dead mum it was it's it's mind-bending and like it's I, I always find it just like quite amazing but also very draining because you, you just the, you're trying to work out like what is going on like this is very strange but also very comforting 
Yeah, so comforting. And even with things like the guilt, like how I mentioned I was experiencing a lot of guilt, actually talking to a psychic helped with a lot of the guilt too because I felt like I could talk to my mum and kind of get some of those answers that I was carrying around, uh, the questions that I, the answers to the questions that I was carrying around. So, yeah, it actually can be a really comforting thing. There are some dodgy psychics out there, obviously, so just make sure you do your research before, just make sure you go to someone who's, you know, reputable, got good reviews um, before you go and fork out your cash because it can also be quite expensive. I'm, I'm curious, have either of you two publicly shared any specific uh, medium experiences that left you no doubt that it was real for you? Yeah, we both had a reading with a guy called David the Medium who is like a big psychic medium in Australia, but he does global readings. Um, and just the way, I mean, he, he just the names like of like nicknames and things like that they were just really spot on and also the way that information that you think how how he, how how could you possibly know that but then also the way that he was talking to us was like it was just like listening to our mums we had we had a, another one with a woman called Karen Ryan from Inner Destiny and she actually told us she's like you're going to get a book published and literally like a month or so later, we got an email about a book deal. We're like, what? Yes. <laughs> so yes. that was wild. She actually said there's two. So if there's another book out there, <laughs> she said it's going to happen. But like, yes. yeah, what were you going to say, Sal? I was going to say I actually had a reading with her like the other week, like a little follow-up. And she she also like there's something else that we've been planning. We haven't like announced it yet, but there, there's like a next phase of Good Morning that we're kind of we were just kind of like workshopping together and she she called it and she was like, are you thinking about doing this? Because you should do this. So, so yeah. So I feel like oh, Karen wow. Ryan is our like career psychic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. I'm going to need some, I'm going to need some of that. So maybe we'll talk about that after the podcast, but uh, that's a perfect segue. Totally. It's a perfect segue, not the segue I was in- anticipating at all, but what's going on, what's going on with the book that you guys have released? What can you, uh, what can you share with us? So it's um it's called Good Morning Honest Conversations about Grief and Loss and it's published on the 2nd of May in the US and Canada and it's basically like our podcast and our content in book form. It's a a very down to earth relatable support group in a book form. It's kind of I think it's kind of different to anything that's out there and the feedback has been really positive so far and we basically look at like all of the ways that grief impacts you so, like emotionally physically relationships coping with loneliness coping with grief at work and we bring in lived experiences from other grievers as well so it's got stories throughout of from from people of all ages and all types of loss because we really wanted it to be a place where people could feel seen and heard no matter how long it's been or what type of loss they experienced what I find amazing about it is people have actually called it uplifting. And I'm like, how the hell do you write a book about grief that's uplifting? But somehow we've managed to do that. So it's not, you know, it's very much like our content in our podcast. It's not all doom and gloom. We've got beautiful illustrations throughout. It's actually a book that's kind of really easy to pick up and put down as well because grief brain. So we were very conscious of that and wrote that intentionally for that reason. But yeah, people will be surprised. It's actually not a heavy, because I think a lot of the grief books out there can be quite text heavy and clinical and theoretical. But yeah, it was really important for us to write something that's kind of easily digestible. So I think we did that pretty well. 
I love that. I mean, just talking to you two for, uh, you know, 45 minutes or so, it's going to make sense. That book is going to pop. So, and I love uplifting for grief. <laughs> that is literally, that's like the, the way it should be. In my opinion. I don't know. All those other grief books. Sure. They're great. They're fantastic. And I think they're all just as important, but it's really cool to change the tonality of it. And, um, Kind of give death a little bit of a new look and come weird way. Give it a rebrand. <laughs> yeah. It's like the new. It's like the new Kia, but I don't know if you even have Kias out yeah. there. But that's just. A- <laughs> <laughs> make it make it pop, as you say. Yeah. I like that. There you yeah. go. Well, um, Sally and Em, I really appreciate y'all taking the time uh, to be on here. As I've already mentioned, I really uh, you know admire the the work you two are doing. I'm excited for your new book. I'll have to check it out when it comes out and. Uh, I don't know the exact date this is going to be airing, but we'll definitely, whoever's listening now, the book will most likely be out by the time this drops. So I'll put the links in the bio and you can check it out and, uh, you know, purchase their new book and go listen to their podcast. Good morning podcast. Uh, these two are fantastic. We haven't gotten the point by now. So again, Sally and I really appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> Thanks for having us. It's been great to chat with you. Thanks, David. It's been such a treat. <laughs>